This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Adam Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern Time, the time zone with the most intelligent people. I don't know where I was going there. Uh, that means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusDecan.com. Austin Nace and Chris Moxley are here on a heavy-duty version of tonight's show. We actually have a very special announcement. We discuss breakouts in college football in 2023, and Chris breaks down his love affair with tight ends. But it's June 1st, or June 1st is tomorrow, uh, so summer is officially right around the corner. I think it's like the 21st or something like that. I want to know both of your hottest takes in c2c cff college football in general austin i know this is a struggle for you give me your hottest take for 2023 when you guys demand that i bring out the flamethrower i'm happy to do it i i actually feel like i'm repressed a little bit on this show like you guys won't let me (laughs) reach the inside this part of myself so I, i think the ones that i put down are actually hotter than what either of you guys put down um i I'll start with just a general college football one. I think USC loses at least two games this year and doesn't even get close to the playoff. They might even lose three games. It's not that the schedule is that hard. I just don't think they're going to be that good. I don't think the defense has gotten any better. I actually think the wide receiver room, the freshmen are really promising, but they're not there yet. I actually think this is a worse wide receiver room than they had last year. I think they're going to struggle a little bit at times. Without Jordan Addison, there's no real alpha there. I am not a Dorian Singer guy at all. I don't think he's that talented. I don't think he's a USC quality player. I think it's very similar to when Taj Washington transferred there from Memphis a few years ago and kind of got washed out a little bit. 
so yeah, I, I think USC really, really struggles. I think betting on them to make the playoff or really get close to that's just flushing money down the toilet. Uh, what's your before, before, no, before you go on, what's your problem with Dorian Singer? Because he is a hot name right now. I don't think he has a partic- any particular skill that is uh, plus, you know. He, he does some things okay. I don't think he's an amazing athlete. I don't think he's an amazing separator. Uh, he's not strong at the catch point. Like he's kind of a, a college possession wide receiver, which is yeah. okay. But I just I don't see like any sort of guy that's going to go out there and really transform an offense or, or even like, I don't even really think you worry about him. Like you're not going to shade coverage his way. Like he's just a guy. I think he benefited a lot from Cowling and McMillan last year. I, I think he's the biggest, um, a guy that I just don't really understand where the hype is coming from this offseason beyond just the fact that he went from Arizona to USC. So that means he must be good. If you're box score scouting, you might really like Dorian Singer and the thought that he's going uh, to USC. But if you actually watch him play, you don't see a lot of space between the defender, him, and the catch point once he actually gets the ball. So uh, a problematic because if you're going to, going to be covered in college, that you're going to be covered in the NFL. The guys that can kind of get away with that are athletic freaks. I think of you know George Pickens uh, from a few years ago. An athletic freak can probably get away with playing that game. I don't know that Dorian Singer meets that mold. Because he's a walk-on at, at Arizona, a walk-on at Arizona, so probably not an athletic freak. Uh, Moxley, welcome to the show. Give me one of your hot takes for 2023. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a few. Uh I think LSU might win the SEC. I think they are a better team than Alabama heading into the 2023 season. And I think all they have to do is beat Georgia. And I think this is the down the down year. And I, I say that in like quotations because Georgia is always Georgia. But I think this could be the down year for Georgia. So I think LSU plus 500 is a good value when we're talking about them winning the SEC. And I think they could do so. Felix is muted. Good stuff. Okay, I'm glad that wasn't just me. I, I thought that was me, and 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 I so missed the, I, I missed the mic that had the button that you could hear him hit it. So yeah, it was I like do do do. Now it's Doo-doo. now he's secretive with how he how he meets himself. I, Austin, you looked at all of the the takes that we have here, and I don't know how you don't figure my first one here is a hot take because I've been mocked and ridiculed since. November 2020 when we started this show and I started touting one Michael Penix Jr. when he was still at Indiana. My hot take for 2023. Two two, two knees later. Two knees later, one full healthy season in 2022, played all 13 games. He is going to be a late first round draft pick. According to CFB winning. Wait, 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 time out. Late first round draft pick in what? (laughs) <laughs> in, the, in the 2023, 2024 NFL draft. A late first round draft pick in the 2024 NFL draft. They're 11-2 and two in 2022. They returned 76% of their offense production. They have a ninth-ranked roster strength rating. Uh, their EPA per play ranks fourth in SFBS. If you're looking at the 2024 quarterback class, you have established dudes in Caleb Williams and probably Drake May. Who is the number three? Is it going to be Bo Nix? Is it going to be Quint Ewers? Michael Penix Jr. has shown more than Quint Ewers to this point. Now, I think that if he puts together, and we just saw Kenny Pickett get taken with a first-round draft pick after being a fifth-year senior. Michael Penix Jr. 
is that left arm is a rocket left arm. And I love the mentality that he plays with when he was, now he was really well protected at Washington last year, but when he was at Indiana, he was not well protected. He was running for his life and sliding around in the pocket and getting punched in the face. As a matter of fact, I posted some clips where he is delivering the ball downfield with traffic and muck around his legs or actually getting hit in the face. I remember there's a drive late in that Penn State game in 2020 or 2021 where that, that they won where, you know, he's he's getting like blitzing linebackers, hitting him right in the face, and he's delivering the ball downfield. I think that coaches are going to like his style of play. Someone who can get chunk plays, someone who is courageous in the pocket. I can see him being a fit for a team like like the Detroit Lions if Dan Campbell is running the draft room, but it's Brad Holmes. But but or the New England Patriots, a team like that that say we like, you know, who is a little bit unconventional. I think that he's going to be a late first round draft pick. And here we go. Your boy will have done it again. Again, shooting from deep. To get a first-round quarterback. That's my take you, in 2023. Have you learned nothing? You are you are the Carson Strong and I know how guy. I thought, of, guy. I thought, I thought about making the comparison to Carson Strong. But Carson Strong played The medicals are going to be so bad. He played, on he played in G5. No, we, we've had people that tear their ACL more than once. The Yes, Carson Strong. How many quarterbacks have t- torn their ACL more than Carson once and Strong gone the first round? looked... Carson Strong looked slow and like he was injured when he was playing the quarterback position. Michael Penix. I mean, he looked, was, he, Carson Strong ran in cement when he was 100% healthy. My, I wouldn't. Michael Penix Jr. does not. He still runs on occasion. Will get. Will pick up yards and he navigates the pocket well. He's, okay. He is okay. He okay. Is okay. A, he's a dynamic downfield gunslinger who is fearless, and I think that there's going to be a GM and a set of coaches that really like that, he's going to get drafted at the end of the first round. Okay, Nito, here's the deal. So last year, I said that Will Levis would, if he was the first-round pick, I would get a tattoo. And the odds went against me. DraftKings, FanDuel, you name your book, they did it. They they said that Will Levis was going to be a top-five pick, minus 5,000. It didn't matter. Real recognized real. I'm going to do the same thing for Michael Penix right now. Same tattoo bet. Oh, you got to get my face. You can get my face tattooed. Now, I will get <laughs> if if Michael Penix goes in the first round, I will get Felix's face tattooed <laughs> on my body. <laughs> Period. You you quote this. You can do whatever you want with this audio, video, whatever. I will I will do it. Michael Penix is not going the first round. I don't give a crap about how good his arm is. The the dude has massive injury concerns and is playing in a substantially friendly quarterback system. He is a very skilled player, though. He is a very skilled player. Austin, give us another one of your hot takes for 2023. Oh, here's a hot take. I don't know that Penix is a better prospect than a healthy handed hooker would have been going into last year's draft. He would not be. I, I, uh, I don't think so. So, um, that there, there's that for you. Um, how about my other? One? Okay. I, I got to choose. I, I have some hot ones on here. How about this one? 
<clears throat> Phil Moffa outrushes Will Shipley this year for Clemson. Is Eric is Eric Froton in this? But, like, do you but, see do you see Eric Froton in this room tonight? If I blink, he's, he's in the background here with me. Shipley outgains on total scrimmage yards, though. I think that's an interesting needle to thread. I I could definitely see that happening. Moff has been just as efficient, if not more efficient, most of the time rushing the football. But I still think Shipley will have a role. But I I think I think as the season goes on, Moffa uh, starts to I don't want to say dominate, but definitely absorbs uh, a good amount of Shipley's role on the ground. I think they'll still have a role to play. And I think they'll want to keep both of them kind of split because they don't have anything behind that duo at all. So you can't run Shipley 25 times and give him five targets a game. Like he he will break down and then it will just be Moffa and a bunch of untested low three-star freshmen. That is why I think this is a lukewarm take because Will Shep- Shipley should be used like, you know, eight receptions a game and get eight to 10 carries. Phil Moffa should be carrying the load. He should be the guy that you're running in between the tackles. He is built like, you know, the, if there's a if there's a Michael Carter, Javante Williams, it's Phil Moffa is Javante Williams and, and Will Shipley is the Michael Carter of these two. So you're going back to your lukewarm tendencies, in my opinion, with that one. But I know that there's the hype around Shipley. But I think Phil Moffa is a very good player and might even be the better NFL running back. Mm, I, see, I, I don't know that Shipley does Chris, anything amazingly for, for the – or I don't know that Moffa does I anything amazingly. Froze. I Or did I freeze? Okay. Go ahead, Thank Chris. You. I, well, no, all I was going to say was I actually agree with Alston. Um, I, I think that's actually a really interesting take and probably one that I agree with. I Moffa – I basically come to the point where I think Moth is a better rusher. Um, and I don't think that's like a hot, hot take, but it is a hot take. It's not, it's not like, like a spicy meatball take. It's more of a, you know, lukewarm take, but it, but it's still a hot take. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Well, you're wearing, you're wearing my, uh, my, my favorite shirt from Homefield tonight so i appreciate it i had to i had to give us another one of yours mox uh what do i want to give y'all here or i can i can go here i can go because i've got one ready and uh i think brandon is or carnell tate one of them will be a year one zero if you look at the makeup of this wide receiver core Marvin Harrison Jr. last year played 84% of snaps. Emeka Abuka played 77% of snaps. And remember, that's with Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, kind of coming in and out of the lineup. I think that he's, his snap percentage is going to be up into the mid-80s or higher than that. Julian Fleming, if he's healthy, he's probably going to be right there. Now, if he's not, that's the spot where someone's going to get in. But Jalen Ballard is still there. Xavier Johnson is still there. If he's not playing running back, he's playing wide receiver. I think that they will give some deference to the senior that, quite frankly, kept them out of a bind last year, you know, playing as unselfishly as he did last season. I think that Ryan Day is going to reward him for that. So then who's next up? Is it Jalen Ballard? Is it Keon Gray? He's still there. No, let's not even forget, Noah Rodgers is, is going to be coming on. Brandon Ennis wasn't there for the spring. One of these guys who's going at the end of first rounds and freshman and supplemental drafts is going to be a year one zero. And uh, Noah Rogers is probably locked in to be a, a year one zero. 
So um, I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take, but after all of the buzz that we've heard from Tate, and I think Ennis is the higher ranked wide receiver, according to the services, one of them is going to be a year one zero. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. came very, very close to being a year one zero himself before he broke out in that last, in that Rose Bowl game against Micah Bernard playing corner against him. Oh, no, Micah Bernard was playing corner against uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. But they still had other running backs playing corner in that game. So um, I think that one of those two is going to be a year one zero, and their their value is going to take a massive drop uh, this season. And I kind of think that it's going to be Ennis. I kind of think that it's going to be Ennis. I think that Carnell Tate will get some of the reps on the outside in, in place of Julian Fleming. I think it's going to be Ballard and, and, and Tate to if Julian Fleming goes down with any injury. I don't think that's that hot of a take. I mean, overall, I think the odds are, you know, what would you rate it on the spicy on the Scoville scale? Mild, hot. Yeah, it's it's somewhere above mild, but I don't. I wouldn't call it hot. If you want to talk year one zeros, I think a guy that I I actually saw you talking earlier with somebody, Felix. I think Jurian Dickey has a pretty high chance of being at year one zero. I think Oregon. so too. Yeah. I think that Gary Bryant transfer in hurts a lot. Oh. I know, I know, but I think Bryant's going to play a decent amount. I think Tez Johnson's going to play a decent amount. I think um, Troy Franklin's going to play a decent amount. I think Chris Hudson's going to play a decent amount. I don't know if there's going to be that many snaps around for Dickey. Um, I, I think so, he's a guy that I'm worried about. So I the, the year one zero theory, which I – you know, Austin, you and I have kind of like done more research into I for high end teams. I think the differentiator is essentially how well a player performs in practice, right? Like if they are a hard worker or they are like achieving above and beyond like in the like practice sense, I, I think that they are getting on the field. They're doing really well. And a lot of it is what's happening in practice. And so I wonder if, you know, even if we think that, you know, these guys are blocked and whatever, if they're getting in, in blowouts, like that's, kind of the path for a lot of these guys in year one. Um, and it basically boils down to you are being a good practice player and you're getting on the field in blowouts to uh, reward you for, you know, your excellent play and hard work and practice. And I bet, but that is a, an indicator like that is, that is truly a, uh, an indicator and in, in players that, we want to perform well and that are working hard, they're being rewarded. And so I wonder if Jurian Dickey and, and some of these Ohio state wide receivers are, are falling into the same category. And I, I, I don't know like them specifically, so I don't know how they're performing, but you would think that like, that is the avenue for them to excel. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. 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 They have to, they have to be hard workers. And if they don't, then you're probably dealing with players who are, have more questions than, you know, you want to address head on. 
Jerion Dickey is also dealing with an injury, so I don't think that he participated in the spring. But I went back and watched him again. I mean, he was from a just a pure football standpoint, he was a player that I was very impressed with. You'll see him play corner uh, wherever it is that he he was playing. You'll see him play safety. You'll see him block people into the ground. You'll see him take drag routes and then kind of shed a tackler. I, I don't know. Is, is A.J. Brown his, his comp on 24-7? That makes a lot mm. of sense to me given his size Could and be. frame. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I, I think, I don't know that he is, he is a, a higher end possession wide receiver. I don't know that Jerry on Dickey is going to have, you know, blazing speed. It's not like he's going to get on the field because he can, you know, j- just catch a pass and take it to the house. At least at this point in his development, I don't really necessarily see that in his game, but you wouldn't expect it for a six foot two, 215 pound you know, physical wide receiver that he is. A guy who could probably play safety in college, probably play, you know, some sort of linebacker position, honestly, if he if he wanted to. So, um, uh, and it's not like that Oregon wide receiver core is hurting for depth. So I, I yeah, I agree with that. I got one more here, and I don't know if this is necessarily a hot take. I cannot remember if we talked about this on this show or on the Better Sports Show, but I know that we've talked about Carson Beck a lot, and we are talking about breakouts in 2023. I'm not even going to mention Carson Beck because I'm going to mention him here. I think he's like the best, if you are a betting person, like the best future or Heisman future is Carson Beck. I got their first of all, they're going to be in positive game scripts all year. They they understand that speed is the best complement to the running game, and they're going to want to pound the rock. He's going to be a super efficient player in 2023. Super efficient. I mean, Brock Bowers is a deep threat in the middle of the field. They got Rob Rod Thomas who can beat you. And if Arian Smith is healthy, that's a big if. If Arian Smith is healthy. The fastest player in the SEC? The fastest player in the SEC. Tell me which one of these games are going to lose. UT Martin. Ball not, 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 the answer is none. I don't even need to hear it. There, there is not a projected loss on the Georgia schedule. Well, Chris, not everybody knows Georgia's schedule. But they have a very favorable schedule. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. They're going to win all of those games by 21 points or more. Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. I mean, I, again, I still think they're going to win most of these games by 14 points or more. They have uh, Florida. Florida is probably is, is on a downward trend. Um, Missouri, Old Miss, ten, at Tennessee, and at Georgia Tech. The at Tennessee game is the one that causes you concern towards the end of the year. But, I mean, when you look at their schedule, this is a team that's going to roll through their schedule. They're going to be the number one ranked team in the country, and Carson Beck is going to have a super efficient year on this team. Give me all the Carson Beck Heisman Trophy futures that you can get. Because uh, he's definitely going to be there in New York sitting down. It's just a matter of not of whether, you know, it's Caleb Williams or Carson Beck. And I would put my money on Carson Beck, given that, Austin, you just said you think USC is going to lose two games. They're not going to give the Heisman Trophy winner to Caleb Williams if they lose two games. I think it's going to be Carson Beck wins the Heisman Trophy. You got you got 20 to 1 odds right now. Oh, it was plus 1,700, wasn't it? Uh, I, I mean, I'm looking at plus 2,000 on – Oh, okay. uh, DraftKings currently, but I mean, oh, okay. it, you know, we we posted articles on Kim Scan four months ago, three months ago, 
talking about how, why he was a great value when he was like plus eight thousand. <laughs> so I I don't disagree. I mean I I think it's a really good upside bet. There we go. I, um, I don't have I don't have strong thoughts on Beck either way. I mean I think I've kind of talked about it on the show before. I'm just not sure that he has the type of season. Like I just don't know that they'll need to rely on him really at any point. Which is gonna he's be- potentially be an do you, issue. Do you think he's better than Stetson Bennett? I think he could be better than Stetson Bennett. I think he could definitely have better weapons than Stetson. See, I think he, I think he, like, definitely is. Like, so, like that is even you look at who bigger. you look at who caught the ball. You look at who caught the ball for Georgia last year: Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint. The, Lad there McConkey. are players. Who, Lad McConkey, yeah, Lad McConkey. There, there are players who are can do more with the ball in their hands. Arian Smith. Dominic Lovett, Rara Thomas, like I would even put um, who's the who's the tight uh, uh, Oscar Delp. Delp. Like these are more explosive players. And yes, I am sleeping on Ladd McConkey to be to be honest, but maybe, maybe not. I think that I think mm, that a white a white wide receiver. Hmm. <laughs> Wes, yeah. Wes Welker, Wes Welker type. Blake says don't sleep on um, McConkey either. I think McConkey is more explosive than that level of player. For the record, I actually think he's an NFL player. Like I, I think he'll be fine in the NFL. I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but really even a guy that you want. McConkey is fantasy. an NFL wide receiver three, right? Yeah, on a on a on a like team, I, yes. I agree I with you. Like, I, I think, think he could be an like NFL a... team's wide receiver three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a bad player at all. And you know who actually I think could be the next lad McConkey, and I don't have it on my hot takes here. It wouldn't shock me at all if if uh, Cole Adams ends up being the best wide receiver from this Alabama <laughs> uh, re- freshman class. He's like a similar player to McConkey. I think he was too lowly ranked. I don't think he's ever going to be special, but there's a there's a likelihood of him hanging around there for like two years and then getting okay. I, I mean, McConkey was a wide receiver or, or a three star recruit, right? He was very lowly rated. Yeah. 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 But he, I mean, he's a good player. Like you, you, you watch live McConkey and you're like, oh, this dude is just a scrub, yeah. and turns out like he's not that bad. Our, our CFF guys make fun of me, but yeah, I, I think he's a legendary NFL player. Maybe I need to go back and watch some Lad McConkey tape. Um, Maybe I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk talk about Georgia a little bit more. But why would they get those two transfers in if Lad McConkey was that dude? So, um, all right. Uh, all, are any any other hot takes? I think we're done. Here. I, I just have two honorable mentions real oh. quick. I think Jonte Cook goes over 700 yards receiving this year. I, I think he takes over either the slot. Or they move Worthy to the slot and he takes a boundary position at some point this season. Uh, not because he's like better than Worthy, just depending on how they want to line Were you saying he's up. better than Whittington? Yes, I think he's better than Whittington. Mm. I think that's yeah, day probably, one. <laughs> probably knows that already, too. I think they'll give a little bit of de- deference to Whittington to start off the season. But, yeah, I think uh, uh, Cook will step in there. And then my other one, uh, Harrison Agbuka gone after the year. I think by the end of the season, Antonio Williams is the consensus Devi wide receiver one. I think he's going to have a really good year. And I think he's going to show a super, super versatile skill set. Like he he is, and not to like say that he's going to be this good of a player, but like skill set wise, he is kind of Justin Jefferson-ish in the sense that he probably can play a little all over the place. They're probably gonna line up, up in the slot because they got a bunch of giants on the outside, much like Jefferson was at LSU. But he's like six foot 185, 190. Like he's not a tiny stick figure guy. And I think he's going to show some, you know, working deep chops this year. He's really good after the catch. We've already seen him do that. I think he's a really, really good player. I, I just, I, I, I get higher and higher on him all the time. And he's bigger than Evan Stewart. Yeah. He is. And, I, 
yeah, and I think he's more explosive than Luther Burton. The only guy that can sneak in there above him is Barry and Brown. I just think like he's a little too raw for me to say that he would ever be the Debbie wide receiver one, unless he just like totally blows up this year. Yeah, Bar- if Barry and Brown. Williams, if Antonio Williams is going to have an excellent season, don't you have to tout Cade Klubnick also? Not necessarily. We've had pretty good guys have really good wide, or wide receiver seasons. I mean, look at Quentin Johnston had a pretty good season last year, air quotes. So. Yeah. Uh, and you know his Max Dugan went undrafted, so I, I don't necessarily think so. Max Dugan, Dugan went undrafted, but he was a Heisman Trophy finalist. That's so, true. I mean, that's true. Uh, and so. uh, you know, I kind of chose that that pairing since their offense coordinator is now Klubnik's right. offense. That's coordinator. true. Yeah, very true. True. All right, I got I got two that I actually want to bring up. Are they on the sheet? They are on the okay. sheet. Okay. Michael Pratt is the NFL media's surprise first round quarterback. I think that he that would is, be crazy. No, it but it but it wouldn't because he's essentially like G five Will Levis. Like he is. He is he, he like that, that is cozy? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I like I really do think yeah. he is. <laughs> like I, I think the NFL will be like, oh, he's a surprise first rounder. Like you'll see, you'll see him mocked. I, I, I think in the top fifteen more often than not, and then he'll just he'll go like round three or whatever. But he is going to be the surprise quarterback that emerges like post college football season. If they had pulled off that upset against Oklahoma, and then he had Oklahoma and USC under his belt, I think I would. <laughs> like, you know, and and you know, if he would have transferred, where was he supposed to transfer? Was it Auburn that he was going to transfer to so allegedly? I Florida. I so I heard many Florida. different schools wanted mm-hmm. him. Like he was probably the hottest non-transfer player in the non-transfer portal. Like he he would have been he would have been an SEC quarterback if he wanted to be. Yeah, like he's that he he's that good. Like he he could be a high end. Uh, that would I, be. I don't know that he's better than Devin Leary as like another guy. Like I don't know that he is. Oh, he's better than Devin. Yes, you don't more, think he's better he than Devin Leary? I, I I really do think he, has he is. Better, yeah, he has. He better, is too. Yeah, tools wise, he's definitely better than. Him. Maybe better I need to go. Leary. Maybe I need to go rewatch Michael Pratt because I don't think he's a bad player or anything. You guys are talking like this guy's got a freaking bazooka. And like, I've he never does, seen this. He, he does. He has a really good arm. Yeah, he has one of the 10 strongest arms in the country. I don't think it's bad. I've never watched him and thought like, wow, what a, no. what a, what a freak. You got to. All right. So we, we've established that Austin needs to rewatch uh, Michael Pratt. Apparently. He's also going to be a four-year starter. Started as a true freshman. Um, yeah. And he's kind of put Tulane on the map. Bill Parcells would have loved him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I really think Michael Pratt is going to be the player that the NFL media gravitates towards and says, "Hey, like this dude could be a first rounder." I don't know that he's going to get there, but like he has the tools to potentially be that. His mechanics are really wonky and and whatnot. There's there's a he's, lot of reasons why he a lot. I mean, raise your hand if you he were did. He about like, last year was his his freshman year. Raise your hand if you were tweeting about his feet his freshman year. Calm down, Rex Ryan. <laughs> I, I, I have been a long time Michael Pratt fan, so I, I think that he improved last year, but he needs to still take a big step forward. Um, and then my, la- my last hot take was that Texas, I think, is actually back this year. 
Like I like I, I legitimately think that Texas is back. Like yeah, then I, they'll be Alabama. I, I don't know that you can give me five coaches' names that I'd rather have than Steve Sarkeesian uh, as my head coach. We are 32 minutes into the show and have a fairly sizable announcement. As far as placement of this advertisement, we have done a terrible job. Should have been in the first. We should, probably should have done this in the first, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. But Austin, um, let me hand the floor off to you. Yeah, you whoever, whoever did the show sheet, just terrible job. Um, <clears throat> we are now partnered with Home Field Apparel, guys. You may have heard of them, the plucky little company from Indianapolis. Give it up. Give it up. We've wanted this for years and years. Yes, we are very excited to be working with them. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they are a really cool company that specializes in college athletic apparel, t-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, sweatpants, like long sleeves. Uh, they've expanded their collection a little bit over the past uh, year or so. And it's all like vintage designs, like, you know, really old logos that schools have used. Um, you know, basically like it's really cool shit that you can get for any team, almost any team in the country. And they're always at it. I think, I think this week they actually added Tulane and and some another school too. Yeah, um, Tulane added new stuff, Florida added new stuff. I mean, always expanding. Like, Austin, you're wearing. Mm -hmm. You're done. Like cutting people like, off. You're done. Let them do. Let them do the promo, Chris. We need sorry, to say sorry, the sorry, magic sorry. words at least three times. We're awful at this. We are terrible at this. Sorry. To use or to we have a promo code with Homefield now. It is our name, Campus Two Canton, the number two. In the middle, get you 50% off to your Canton, order. Promo code sample, Campus to Canton. Promo code Campus to Canton. Chris Moxley. Chris, what's the promo code? Campus number two, Canton. All right. So here, here's what we're going to do here for the first month of our partnership. Through the end of June, 30 days in June, we are doing a giveaway for members who use our promo code for a purchase. So send us a receipt with proof that you used it. I've already received two. I know it shows it at the very end that you used our promo code. Send it to us by June 30th. You're entered to win a copy of all of our guides for this year. So that's CFF, Freshman Supplemental, and Debbie. And then if you're an NIL member, we're actually going to do a different prize for you guys because you guys already get all the guides. So we'll have some more information for that uh, on that for you guys in the next few days. But uh, yeah, thank you guys as always. For continuing to work with us, we uh, we're, we're excited to work with Homefield. We only work with companies that we think are awesome, and we think Homefield. I mean, I, yeah, I'm wearing my Surfs Up UC Irvine shirt right now. It's got an anteater surfing on it. I mean, what what more could you want? Okay, all of this Austin and more. Stays, Austin stays in the middle emotionally. I'm the dramatic one. Chris can sometimes get animated with me, but this is something that we've wanted for a long time. We've a long, for a long time, and we've got it now. If you don't go to Home Field Apparel right now, I don't care if you listen to it. If you're in your car, pull over and go to Home Field Apparel right now. And I want you to buy at least $1,000. No, I'm just playing. Go buy something at homefieldapparel.com 
and use our promo code campus to Ken Chris Moxley. What is the promo code at home field apparel campus number two Canton. We are partners with home field apparel. That is really cool for our brand. You've made it Austin. You you've made it. We did it. Um, Okay. Another housekeeping issue. The CFF guide pre-order is going to be available by the time that you listen to it. I will put a link to the pre-order in the podcast description for the show. So you can go to campustocanton.com, pre-order the CFF guide that will be available July 1st. To be honest with you, the CFF guide is probably the one that I use the most in supplemental drafts because you get to the you know eighth round and all these Debbie guys are gone, and you're like, who do I take now? You're going to want to get the CFF guide, $20, or you could be an NIL subscriber, $79.99 for the year. You get all three guides, the Debbie guide, the freshman and supplemental guide, and the CFF guide for free. That's like, I don't, that's like 700 pages worth of content plus all of the tools available at the website, the charting tools, the IDP tool. The uh, draft prognosticating tool, the athletic comparison tool, the rushing yards over expected tool. I've even lost track of what's available at the website. $79.99 for the year. If there is a better value in the fantasy space anywhere, then you can DM me at Sharp Review and show it to me. There isn't. Um, All right, Chris Moxley. You wrote an article at the website. It was published today on your love for tight ends, specifically why there is such a positional advantage when you prioritize that position give us a little i mean you're the tight end guy give us a little um uh summary or some takeaways from what you wrote today yeah uh, i mean essentially the article is uh a love letter to the position because i believe and the data plays it out as well that uh tight end compared to wide receiver and running back is the single most uh, important position to invest in from a high-end perspective. And they're also more predictable than those positions as well. And like having a top tight end is worth almost double digit points over, uh, you know, eight half your league mates. And and, and so I, I, I think that the article kind of explains why, and essentially how like we we reach that conclusion which is you know tight end is the singular most important position when we talk about value over replacement and i i think you know i've i've always like felt that way and i i really want to get it like essentially on paper for <laughs> canvas can and cff leagues uh and, and so like the data plays it out as well that 10 to 9 to 10 points is basically the difference between a top three tight end and when you punt the position, which is like 12 to 24th in like tight end finishes. I was upset when I read this article. I'm going to tell you why. Because I wanted to know the names. Okay, you love the position. Tell me who I should draft, Chris Moxley. You didn't do that in the article. You just talked about Brock Bowers and Michael Mayer. I'm like, well, can't draft them now. So tell me who we should be taking. I mean, I guess you could draft him if you were, you could draft Brock Bowers if you're in a startup. 
but you can't in, in most of the leagues that have been going on for a little while. Chris Moxley, you didn't do it then. Do it now. Tell us who we should draft. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously Bowers. I mean, we're, I'm not like surprising anybody by that by that name. Um, I will. So, so part of the article was highlighting teams who have heavily utilized the tight end position. So, you know, uh, Iowa, Iowa is a great example. Uh, they brought in Eric Gall from Michigan, who I think is has really good uh, chemistry with Caden McNamara, who's going to be a starting quarterback. But they also have Luke Lachey, and I think he's a good player. Uh, Utah a, a, as well. Brad Kuthi is a very hot name, but I am not sleeping on Thomas Yasmin either. He was a player who... Uh, has a rugby background and didn't play tight end until 28. Like didn't play football until 2018. I think I think that he's really good. He was one of two players who had a 60 plus yard, multiple 60 plus yard receptions last year. Him and Brock Bowers. Like there, there are a couple of players. Uh, George Takis, a player, a player at Boston College, who they Jeff Hathley has heavily heavily utilized tight end. He's a transfer in from Notre Dame. Uh, very athletic player, Trayton Welch at Wyoming, uh, Eurosec, who is a, a popular name as well at Stanford. Like all of these guys are, are players that I would target based on kind of the criteria that I laid out in the article. Okay, there we go. Thank you. I should have given us that in the in the article. Okay, well I did, but you know you you got to read the whole thing to kind of reach that conclusion. All right. Um, <laughs> I think we're yeah ready for our breakouts for 2023. Um, this is like I don't know that this is flag plants. I don't know if this is like my guys. This has got it, it's it's. I think in the NFL it can be harder to predict breakouts because you don't know when a guy is going to pop in college football because so many positions are vacated every single year. It can be easier just to know the names and who's the next guy up. So let's start at the quarterback position. Um, Austin, I guess I'll start with you. Who is, uh, who's going to break out in 2023 at the quarterback position? Yeah, I wrote a couple of names down. I won't talk about Preston Stone. Uh, I'll leave that one for Chris because he also put him down. and he You, can, you can talk about him. He's my third. But I, I do think that Stone is legitimately one of the last guys from his class. This is his third year in college that still has legitimate unknown Debbie upside. And I don't think people are baking that into his current cost. I think they're just treating him as if he's just Tanner Mordecai again. And I, I, I think we don't know that yet. I, I think there's a decent chance that he uh, is better than Mordecai. Um, so overall, I really like him. Uh, I, Clay Millen, I, I think he is like the classic post-type sleeper at this point. I, that offensive line cannot be any worse at Colorado State this year. And that's what really screwed him last year. He was just under pressure all the time. They've they've improved the line. It's not going to be amazing, but it'll be better. I think they have some okay weapons around him. I think Colorado State, you know, they're they're not going to be a, an eight or nine win team, but I, I think they'll be like average. And I think you'll you'll have statistically be much better. And then my bonus and, here. And for, well, for for someone paying attention for the first time, Austin, you've been touting Clay Millen since his freshman year, just like uh, Jalen McMillan and uh, Roma Dunze, those two you've been, and it, it hasn't come to pass yet, but you've been talking about Clay Millen for three years uh, since he was at, at Nevada. Mm-hmm. Where is Dante Wright? Is Dante Wright still Temple. around somewhere? Temple. Oh. 
He's like wide receiver for Temple, by the way. Okay. Like, not like not a starter. I don't know what happened to him because he was like legitimately good as he a was freshman. Good. Like he, he was. Really he looked good. like Brandon Cooks. Like that's the role <laughs> that he played. Like I, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, honorable mention. I think we get at least one start this year from Jaden Rashada at Arizona State, and one start from Brady Drugish at Cincy. I think we get a start from both of them. Both true freshmen. Um, both, I think, probably the future of the position at their respective programs. Uh, and yeah, I think the quarterback situation ahead of both of them is muddy enough slash the team will be bad enough that I think they each get a start at the end of the year to see what they can do. Chris Moxley, your breakouts for 2023 at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I had Preston Stone on mine, but I, I think Austin kind of nailed the analysis there. Like, I, I think that he could be a really good player for SMU. So I, I don't want to, you know, beat, beat it at horse, but uh, the other two I have is Taylor Green, who's the quarterback at Boise State. I mean, he is basically a size athleticism, like marvel at the position. I'm, I'm actually surprised Boise State got him in, considering how like big and athletic he is. But he was really good last year, and I expect him to build on that this year and, you know, prove his passing. And, you know, we already saw him be a incredibly dynamic rusher. So, I mean, if he improves, I I think he could be a legit breakout player. Um, I really like Justin Lampson as well. He transferred in to Stanford from Syracuse. I thought he could, if if he did not get injured a year ago, that he could have beaten uh, Garrett Schrader for the job. And like I, he looked really good in spring, and I, I just think that he could do something at Stanford. What that something is, is you know, I, I, I don't know, but he is a good player, and and so what that turns out to be, we'll see. But uh, Justin Lampson's a good player, and you know, I, I, I think he's gonna be all right, but you know, we're we're reaching deep with Lampson, but. Talon Green is a player that I I think can definitely be a a fun name. Uh, the 2022 Mountain West Championship between Fresno State and Boise State was a really good game. Of course, Jake Hayner, my boy, in that game. But you get to watch the development of Talon Green in that one also. So I, you know, if if it's available, the full game is available, and you're bored during the summer, I definitely recommend going and watching uh, that Mountain West Championship game. My quarterbacks here. Uh, a name that I have not said in a long time, and that's Mason Garcia, who's taking over another. I think is Mason Garcia left-handed, a lefty. I don't remember. Anyway, he's a huge quarterback, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. He played in that All-Star game in North and South Carolina. They have an All-Star game with one the Bolitnikov Award winner last year, Jalen Hyatt. T- toolsy in high school, although you know. Um, uh, not necessarily mechanically sound. He played a game against Navy his freshman year. Looked awful. Looked like a fullback playing the quarterback position. It's been two years since then now. I think he still remains the highest rated recruit that uh, uh, East Carolina has ever gotten. And now with Holton Aylers gone, he is the unquestioned starter. But I think you got Marlon Gunn there, but I think that um, uh, yeah, he's the highest rated recruit that that, that he's a four, he was a four-star. Mason Garcia, Garcia was a four-star. Yeah, he was. Mason Garcia was a four-star. I don't know if he's the highest player they've ever gotten or not, but he's probably the highest the high- QB. If I would, and say. I don't know if he's the unquestioned starter for what's worth. But oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, 
Um, I think that he can be an ad- addition in the running game, and he has a strong arm. He's just not necessarily coordinated, but he's been a player that I've been tracking. I was so anxious to see him, and then I saw him his freshman year, and he looked absolutely awful. So, um, But a player who can have a breakout in 2022. Because I'm being lazy, my other breakout is one Drew Aller. He remains right there with Dante Moore as the best quarterback that I've you know evaluated since we've started doing this publicly for folks I think that he is the perfect combination of power and grace meaning he has a cannon for an arm but he doesn't always use it when it's necessary he's a great anticipatory passer by that I mean you the ball is in the air and a wide receiver hasn't looked for it he's throwing it into a window that he expects the wide receiver to break into Um, if you're doing that as a high school player I just think you know, you are really, really ahead of the curve because a lot of high school players are see it before they throw it. And he has looked excellent in the spurts that we've seen him um, at uh, at Penn State. I think he played against Ohio and he played against Purdue. And in those games, I mean, he's picking up chunk plays. I think he's going to be a chunk player to get chunk passes uh, at Penn State. And quite, he's quarterback three after Drake May and Caleb Williams leaves. If everything goes to plan, he will be my quarterback one uh, in C2Cs starting in 2024. Nick Singleton is already my running back one. So I think Penn State has an excellent, excellent um, backfield there. They're going to be there for at least one more year. But as far as, I mean, there's not really a player that I want to see more uh, in 2023 than Drew Aller because I think he's going to be a fun player to watch and like a certified number one overall pick. We're going to see it in 2020. In, in this coming season in 2023, and he'll be, what, the 2025 uh, uh, number one overall pick, in my opinion. So those are my breakouts for the quarterback position. I think Penn State's done him a really big disservice because that wide receiver room stinks. Yep. I've, I've, I've heard you I, mention I, I worry a little bit about that. Like he And he slightly. looked, I mean, he looked horrendous in their spring game. And I, I, I mean, I don't want to say it's all him, but like, they they didn't do any favors as well. Like he also looked horrendous in that Under Armour All American game, if you remember correctly. Yeah, he did. He looked, in game, he looked horrible in the in game action. He looked excellent. So maybe yeah, he looked horrible in their spring game last year too. He could just be one of those guys. Like honestly, I was kind of like that as a player. Like I never practiced that well, and he just put me in a game, and I was significantly better. There are players like that. I'm sure uh, Stevie Johnson was probably one of those guys, considering that dude was the freaking wild card. But uh, there are players like that. I I thought uh, the game that uh, Aller had against Ohio was like spec like considering he was a true freshman, it was spectacular. It was also just like Ohio. some of the yeah some throws he made were like he's a kid high he end throw for the first time. They were high end throws down the field, and you know move again moving in a pocket. He's a bigger player, kind of a lumberer, but he still can move for his size. His so. comp, his comp is his high end comp is Josh Allen. I think it's yeah. Big Ben. I see. I think he's. I don't, athletic, but I don't think he runs. I mean, young Big Ben was a good mover, but he wasn't Josh Allen. Josh Allen is like in a different tier of mover. I don't think. All Josh Allen's team. comp is like Cam Newton, and I I agree that that Drew Aller does not have like yeah. Cam Newton, big slow guy, big moving slow guy. Because Cam Newton wasn't fast, he could just move well for his size. So can Josh Allen. I don't know that you're going to count on uh, Drew Aller getting you five six hundred yards uh, on the ground. Let's move here to the running back position. 
Um, Austin, give me uh, give me your breakouts in 2023 at the running back position. Yeah, Chris's list is so good, and it has some of the guys that I kind of have tentatively circled places. But I wrote down Kedrick Riscano, the freshman at Ole Miss. I think by week, I don't know, six, seven, he's the unquestioned RB2 at Ole Miss. And they're probably going to run a lot this year just based on how that team is currently set up. Um, could legitimately be a guy that at that catches 15, 20 passes. It's a true freshman splitting time with Quinchon. Uh, honorable mentions for this one. I put down Jordan James at Oregon. I think he is clearly the second best back. He might even be the first best back. I don't think Bucky Irving's anything special. Um, but I think he'll play a little bit this year. Uh, and then Dylan Johnson at Washington is a guy that I think could have a really good year. Is that he Michigan, Mississippi State's Dylan Johnson? Yeah, Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson. They lose their starting running back from last year, Wayne T. Not going to try to pronounce it because it'll be awful. Um, they do bring back their second and third leading rushers, Richard Newton, and I forget who the other guy is, but neither of them are like anything good. I, I think Johnson is probably pretty clearly the best back on that roster. So I, I think he'll have uh, a pretty good year this year too. And he could, there, there is a, a scenario in which he is like a top 15 CFF back this year. If he just takes that job from day one, that really is. I think he's a guy that that upside is not baked into his current cost at all. Moxus, your list was so good. Give us your uh, breakout running back list. Yeah, I mean, I have I have a handful. Uh, Tamorian TJ Harden uh, at UCLA. He seems to have seized the RB one job over Carson Steele, and I feel like nobody's acknowledging this. Uh, you know, all of the beat writers basically said he was the best back in in spring, and that he's going to be the lead back. What that means is probably up in the air is probably closer to committee, but uh, TJ Harden is a player that I think could be a really productive, uh, you know, asset for teams in 2023. Uh, Demont Claiborne at Wake Forest. I think he's the best back there. I don't know how much they're going to throw, but it's pretty obvious to me that he based on spring reports is, like the guy, like a, a player who is incredibly explosive. He might need to transfer away from Wake Forest the same way that uh, Walker did to like actually realize his upside. But I mean, the way they talk about him is like in, in the same vein of a player who really can like change an offense. And I, I just don't think he's going to do that at Wake Forest, but Marlon Gunn, uh, another ECU player, who I is going to step in for um, this offense. And, and I think he'll be the main, I, I mean, I think he'll be the main option. This offense is going, it's been so many key players uh, with Kate Mitchell out at, at running back and uh whole dollars at quarterback. I, I mean, I, we just don't know what it's going to look like, but I, I really do think Marlon Gunn is going to be a, a key contributor. And then Nathan Carter at Michigan state. Uh, He's a transfer in from Connecticut. And I think he's going to be the best. I mean, he might be the best offensive player on this roster, but he's certainly the best running back. Uh, He's better than Jalen Berger, who was the transfer in last year. Yeah. I, I mean, Nathan, Nathan Carter could be like a really good player for this offense. So, I mean, these these are all players that I, I I think fill different roles, but 
can be legitimate breakout candidates. There are still people who drafted Jalen Berger in like the second round of freshman drafts thinking that he was the next Jonathan Taylor uh, at Wisconsin. Um, listen, if you are a Pirates fan. He, he was not good like as a freshman. Like he, like he, he was like a, he's like a mummy. If there is a podcast in the country that talks about two ECU players, that's not a East Carolina specific college football podcast. Show it to me. So if you are a, uh, uh, ECU fan, you better subscribe to this channel. Um, listen, this is hard because I like to talk about players that nobody's talking about. That, that's like impossible now. Between the recruiting guys, between the official, between Mike and uh, and Corey on back to Debbie, it's just hard to mine for players who are who who are nobody's discussing. Notice he didn't say list. Colin Decker. Notice he did not Decker. say Colin Decker. Colin Decker, Colin Decker. Um, but I get myself in trouble when I dig too deep and I say guys like Brian Bate, who has been one of the guys who, to be honest, I mean, Brian Bate has been a good college football player. So oh, my God. Necessarily he's, he's 170 pounds. Just move, let's, let's just move on. So That's insane. probably generous, too. But, uh, <laughs> right? He's probably so, one, 150 just hanging out at the – I'm not going to dig that deep. I'm not going to dig that deep. I want to say Oklahoma uh, running back Gavin Sawchuk, who looked excellent in the, uh, in the spring game, and Javante Barnes has been hurt. They lose uh, Eric Gray, so somebody needs to step up there. He's more of a speed guy. Matt Bruning has been a fan of his, and you think about what Jeff Levy wants to do. He wants to run these RPOs, or at least that's what he did at Old Miss. Um, I think that that especially if, if, if Dylan Gabriel or, quite frankly, Jackson Arnold, both of those guys uh, can be assets in the run game and quarterbacks who take linebackers away from focusing on the running back are, are assets to the running back. So um, I, I'm going to say uh, Gavin Sawchuk, but I think that there could be another player in this Oklahoma backfield that is not Javante Barnes who could potentially step up. Uh, Austin, I know you like Caleb uh, – is it Hicks? Hicks. Yeah, Caleb Hicks. Hicks. Yeah, Caleb. Caleb Hicks. Uh, you know, played at I think Denton, Texas. Uh, they are a player with a low center, of gra- bigger body with a low center of gravity, kind of explosive. Um, but for right now, I'm going to say Gavin Sawchuk. But I, to be honest with you, I was looking at my list and like, who's a guy? I can't say Jaquindon Jackson. I can't say Justice Haynes. I mean, these guys that we've already talked about. I don't think I've ever touted Gavin Sawchuk. I've left that to Matthew. But since he's not here. Uh, I'll do it on his behalf. So let's move here to the wide receiver position. Austin, you got his breakouts at wide receiver. Yeah, uh, you guys you guys have some good lists. I went uh, Keegan Johnson, who Mike has been hyping up lately. Um, he is a third-year receiver. He started his career at Iowa and was actually pretty good as a true freshman at Iowa. They're into 50 is, yards, baby. Which is a lot for their 1920-style offense. Uh, he's going to Kansas state, Kansas state loses their top two wide receivers and three of their top four receivers overall. If you include Deuce Vaughn in there, uh, between the, the these three guys, the 48, 725 and two 46, 456 and five and 42, 378 and three, that doesn't sound like a lot, but last year they only completed 242 passes as a team for just under 3000 yards and 21 touchdowns. So just between those three players losing over 50% of the receptions, yardage and touchdown so i think johnson can step in there and be uh pretty solid for them uh from day one and i think he probably leads them in receiving 
and an offense that I think is probably better passing this year without having to deal with Adrian Martinez for at least half the year. Um, and the other one, I, I, I do think it's JoJo Earl's year as long as he stays healthy. I think he'll lead uh, TCU in receiving. I think we finally get that 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 JoJo Earl year that we've been expecting. And I think he probably goes uh, day two in the NFL, like similar to like a, a Wandale Robinson did. I, I Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that actually makes sense to me. For those who have not seen JoJo Earl play, uh, Dante Hall. Dante Hall, old Kansas City Chiefs uh, punt returner and wide receiver. That is how he moves. If he could just stay healthy. He did start in the spring game. so um, He's taller He's taller Rondell Moore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, like Dante Hall, Rondell Moore, like that. Like, that's the player, right? Also, tall, I don't know how tall Dante, Dante or uh, yeah, Dante wait, wait, wait. D- Dante Hall is probably like five, five, nine or so, but uh, but Rondell Moore was five, seven. You're saying he's taller, taller, taller Rondell Moore. I think of Rondell Moore as being a line of scrimmage player. I think that I, uh, I also think JoJo can work downfield a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a little, I don't know. I, I feel like it's restrictive or like to, to, you know, you're kind of confining him to a single rule when I think he's a little more versatile than that person. I, I agree. I agree. Was was TCU a good landing spot for JoJo Earl Austin? Uh, I mean, it'd probably feel a little better if they had gone into the portal and gotten someone a little more experienced to run that team with Dugan leaving. But I think Chandler Rogers is okay, or Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris is okay. I think that that conference they'll be fine to, to chuck it around a little bit. I I'm not expecting like 1500 yards or anything out of the kid, but I think you know not 950 and a handful of touchdowns is well within kind of an, an average range of outcomes for him, assuming he stays healthy. And some of his injuries like have been like weird injuries. Like it's not like it's like he just keeps pulling his hamstring or something. Like he got like a weird what shoulder injury year one was that what it was or something on like a kick return or punt return and then I forget what the other injury was but it's not I mean I, I wouldn't call him like a guy that's just had these these you know muscular injuries it's been weirder stuff so I'm, I'm a little more willing to write those off and ignore them when projecting for this year main event is in the chat he says uh, the thoroughness of this pod is next level thank you very much main event let's not forget Jojo Earl the class of 2020 at Alabama you had a guy hauled Corey Brooks and Jojo Earl those were the five uh five star wide receivers Jojo Earl was not there in the spring it was a guy hall who had the big spring game that season and then Jojo Earl was the one who started well he didn't start he split playing time with Blake uh what's his name uh what was the slot wide receiver, the white slot wide receiver at Alabama? His name Slade Bolden. Slade, Slade Bolden. Bolden. He threw Blake. me off with Blake. I was like, who the hell is Blake? <laughs> yeah. Some generic white We're name. We're just making up white people names. <laughs> Braden. Blake Braden. <laughs> Slade Bolden. He split time with Slade, Slade, Slade. Bolden in, in that season and was returning kicks. So for him not to be there, in the summer, or not to be there in the spring, and then uh, uh, earn a spot in the summer. Blake Welch is in the chat. He's uh, he's laughing. So, uh, but no, this is a very good player who just hasn't been healthy, hasn't had the opportunity. I, he could be one of the more explosive after-the-catch wide receivers that we have in college football. He absolutely could. Could. Uh, so, um. My, I, I just have one here, and it's Arian Smith for the reasons that I talked about before. The best compliment 
to running the ball on is speed on the outside because you get safety that spin down, you get eight in the box to have them start to stop the run. That means you have one on one on the outside. And from what I've seen from Carson Beck, he's going to be an excellent deep ball thrower, especially if there's like one safety there and he's got one, you know, just one high. It's going to be very easy for him to get the ball out there. We've known Arian Smith is like, you know, this elite level sprinter. He just hasn't. I mean, he's had so many injuries his first two seasons or his first three. I can't even remember what three, he, I first think, three seasons. Yeah. First yeah, three seasons had an excellent yeah. had an excellent the the playoff game versus uh Ohio State last year. Man, if he could just stay on the field, he is like he is he's he's the perfect complement for what they want to do. Pound the rock, pound the rock, run play action, throw it over the top to somebody who can create lots of separation deep. So I think that if he can stay healthy in 2023, Arian Smith is like the type of player that you can see get elevated to the second round. We just saw Jalen Hyatt do nothing his first two years. And then because of that speed, where was he? Was he drafted in the third round? Third second round, round, yeah. The third round. You can see this a similar ascent for, for Arian Smith. And, and Arian Smith is not like a fake speedster if he's healthy. He's a real speedster. Jalen Hyatt, what did he run? Like a 4-4? Four, 4-4 four? Four, four is not even oh, Aaron, Arian Smith. Arian Smith go. is like a legitimate, yeah, legitimate speed guy. If Arian Smith is healthy, he would go some, like Probably way above. Third, third or s- second or third round after not doing much his his his, yeah. his first year. So that's I was a huge Arian Smith fan coming out of high school, and people forget how good that Georgia receiving recruiting class was that year. And I just wonder what had happened if you put if you took those four and you had sent them to a different school, what the outcome would have been because Georgia really hasn't done well developing those guys. But between him, Jermaine Burton, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, who I absolutely loved coming out of high school, and there was a fourth one in there too. And they were all really highly rated kids who looked really, really good. And Georgia has done literally nothing with any of them. Just a- embarrassing. Arian Smith is the type of player who can potentially like rise above the Georgia situation and just be like, hey, I'm fast as shit. Like, I which, mean, he, might have like, he might like have 40 catches, but have eight, 900 yards on, yeah. on 40 catches. He can- yeah, and he might go around three just because he's yeah. like, the fastest receiver in the class, which he might be just because he's like that dude. Which is why I don't really understand the Dominic Lovett stuff. Like, I think it's got to be one or the other. I don't, I didn't have Dominic Lovett as a breakout. I was, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, why did they go get him? I guess it's because Aaron Smith. Well, they play different positions. They play different positions. They play different er in different areas of the field. Do they? I don't think in Lovett, a way. I don't think Lovett does I'm much. Running, I'm running Aaron Smith on nine routes. Dominic Lovett. I'm running on like sl- slants and bubble screens and stuff to get run uh, catch all after the. Really? You don't. That's not what you. I mean, I, I would I not run talking. Dominic Lovett on a bubble screen. Personally. Yeah, I was gonna say the <laughs> same thing. Like, I just don't think that's his game. So you don't think that Randall Cobb is like the comp for Dominic uh, Lovett? Uh-huh. No. Okay, but that's why I don't get the Dominic Lovett like big hype because I think he's kind of a deep guy that doesn't like he he benefited a lot from finding soft spots in coverage last year on some of these deep routes where things were cleared out a little bit. I he doesn't stack what deep that well. Like I, I don't think he's that great after the can catch. I, can I give a mean comp for Please. Dominic Lovett? James Washington. I liked James Washington more in college than I liked Dominic Lovett. James Washington, that's a good comp for Dorian Singer, in my opinion. No, Dorian Singer. See, I think Dorian – 
well, I was going to say, I think James Washington was about, a, maybe not wide receiver at Oklahoma State. That's Dor- James Washington was a faux deep threat who was an, actually a deep threat. Which that, is exactly what Dorian Singer is. Yeah, well, that's not a bad. I mean, if uh, James Washington isn't a bad player, if you can uh, sell him. I I have wide receivers if we want to uh, yeah, talk about some breakouts, by the way. Nah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Let's hear him, Chris. All right. Oh, well, now I'm getting, now I'm getting me made fun of. Now no, it, it, Chris, we really want to hear him. We really do. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Odu Hilaire who is a wide receiver at Bowling Green. Um, so I, I have talked to people who are f- at least familiar with the NFL draft process who have said, like, they think he might be the best receiver in G5 this year, which is fairly interesting to me. Like, I always thought he was pretty good, like, coming from Alabama A&M. Um, but Odu Hilaire is from Bowling Green is a player that I, I have find myself drafting a lot. Um, I wanted to tab Keon Coleman as a breakout, but I, I think last year kind of like solidified that he was actually pretty good. So I, like, I, I think I would be not doing a good service. Uh, Barry Jackson is, is the other player that I want to highlight. Uh, Wide receiver at Cincinnati. You're making he, up names. He, no, he's a, he's a wide receiver Cincinnati. A, a freaking wide receiver who was probably the most impressive receiver throughout their spring football camp. Uh, like a really, really good player a, a, and featured heavily on the first team offense. So, Barry Jackson, um, Odu Hilaire, and you know, Gan Coleman, where he's available. Like, those are all players that I, I really want to probably be investing in. Odo Hilaire Bowling Green, coached by my former camp counselor, Scott Leffler. Scott with one T, Chris Moxley. Um, you, you are really, you're, you're making it. Listen, folks, if you don't recognize these names, don't feel bad because Chris put two out of three names that I've never heard of. So um, I I went very heavy G five, um, and I forgot that this was uh, supposed to be a Debbie show from the beginning. Mike accuses (laughs) us of being the college football show. Oh yeah, the the second best uh, Debbie show on the on the uh, on the feed. Very cool. Um, go to. Home field right now. If you didn't listen to me before, I don't care if you are faxing something, stop it. Stop it right now. Go to home field. Use our promo code Campus2Canton and buy at least one or two million dollars worth of product using our promo code. Um, is there anything else, boys? The CFF guide should be available by the time you listen to us for pre-order for pre-order at campusdecanton.com. We appreciate you listening. That's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Austin Nace, 
and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.